Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 3. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Okay, William Booth I love these I love these two statements I'm about to read to you. I really don't even know why I'm reading them to you because they don't really apply and there's no segue per se, but I just like them and I want you to hear them. Listen, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army said, the greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. The greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. And then also Alan Redpath said, before we can pray thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. Don't you like that? Before we can pray, thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, what saints? My kingdom go. I really like that. So get your pen. If you've been with us, you know Second Samuel is a book that is divided uh, nicely into three sections. You know that. Chapters 1 through 10, we find David's triumphs. Chapters 11 through 12, we find David's trials. And then chapters 13 through 24, we have David's troubles. Very easy. 1 through 10, his, tri- his triumphs. 11 through 12, his trials. And 13 through 24, troubles. Triumphs, trials, and troubles. Therein divides the entire book. You also know, if you've been with us, that Second Samuel is a book about David and his reign as king. He reigned how many years? Anybody know how many years in Hebron? Uh, seven and a half. Write it down. Seven and a half. Seven and a half years in Hebron. And anybody know how many years in Jerusalem? 33. Very good. He reigned seven. So that's 40. He reigned seven and a half years um, actually, it's uh, 40 and a half. Okay, so his 40-year reign, that's, that's the same thing. Okay, seven and a half years in Hebron, 33 years in Jerusalem. I told you that there is more written about the life of David and the ministry of King David than any other Bible character in the Old Testament. David is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. Were you with me last week? Just a show of hands. Were you with me last week? Nice, nice and high. Show of hands. Okay, then you also know that we... Uh, learned that David had six wives and six sons in Hebron. Ammon, uh, look at chapter 3. You'll find this in verses 1 through 5. Ammon, Achiliab, Absalom, Ajaniah, Sephata, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Sephata, um, and Ithrium. Uh, in First Chronicles, chapter 3, verse 1 through 19, tells us that David had 11 more children and more wives and more concubines. So we know that David had at least 17 children 
Some say as many as 19, and many wives and many concubines. And like father, like son, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And I like to think of it like this. 700 wives means 700 mother-in-laws. Amen. I don't know how he did that. Uh, Last week, we left off in verse 6, and we are going to pick up, or actually we left off in verse 5, and we're going to pick up in verse uh, 6. And as I mentioned, I intend to cover 33 verses tonight. We're going to finish 2 Samuel chapter 3. So 2 Samuel chapter 3, saints, if you're looking at verse 6, I need you to say amen. And now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of Hussein's, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. And Saul, in verse 7, had a concubine. Are y'all with me tonight? Had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, why have you gone into my father's concubine? And then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your fathers, to your, to his brothers, you into the hand of uh, uh, loyalty to, to your fathers, to his brothers, and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman? May God do so to Abner and more also if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him to transfer in verse 10 the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah and over from from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Let me just refresh you a little bit, refresh your memory. Last week, we learned that David's boys, as I mentioned, were born in Hebron. Remember, I told you a little bit about Hebron, that Hebron was an important Jewish city. It was an important Jewish city. David, remember, he inquired of the Lord um, in uh, chapter 2. Remember, David inquired of the Lord, uh, uh, and, he, and he said, shall I move to another city in Judah? And God said, yes. And David said, which one? And, and where shall I go? And God said, go to Hebron. Remember that? Now, as I've explained, Hebron was an important Jewish city. Hebron is entered by faith. Abraham went to Hebron after separating from Lot. Abraham lived in a tent in Mamre, which is in Hebron. He built an altar there. We find that in Genesis chapter 13. Sarah was buried in Kirjath Arba, which is in Hebron. Joshua and Caleb and the ten spies went up through the south and came to Hebron. We find that in Numbers chapter 13, verse 22. Joshua chapter 14, verse 13 through 15. Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron as an inheritance. Hebron was used, uh, it used to be named uh, Kirjath Arba. Uh, Arba was the greatest Anakim. Do you remember who the Anakims were? They were the giants in the land of Canaan. They were a race of giants in the land of Canaan. 
Hebron was a city of refuge, a city of, hear me, listen, this is important. You're going to need this later on tonight. Hebron was a city of refuge. It was a walled city. And might I add, if you don't have walls, are you listening? Are you sleeping? Are you with me? If you don't have walls around your city, you don't have a city. Am I right about it? Hebron was a walled city. Walls, we talked about this. I don't want to go down this path too far. But we talked about this. Walls represent protection. Walls represent salvation. Walls represent refuge and safety. So walls in the Old Testament are very important. I don't want to go too far with this, all right? Walls are very important. Hebron was a city of refuge, and it was a walled city. It was a safe place. Hebron speaks of communion. If you're taking notes, write this down. Hebron speaks of communion or communion that we have with Christ. Our text tells us that David had many sons in Hebron. Again, Hebron means communion. It means union. It means united. It means to couple together. God says, David, I want you to go back to communion I want you to go back to union with me. And just a quick note tonight. If you've been struggling and you've been wandering away from the Lord, then simply, watch this, go to Hebron. Go back to union. Go back to communion. Go back to fellowship. I remember some years ago in the, in, in the church, we used to sing the song, Take Me Back, where, where I first believed. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord. Y'all remember that? Anybody know that? To the place. You know that? Come, where you at? Where you at? Hands up. Where I first received you. Come on, Lord. Take me back. Mm. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. We used to sing that. That's what you need to say if you've gotten away from Hebron. If you've gotten away from union and communion and fellowship with the Lord, go back to Hebron. Hebron isn't a place. It's an attitude of the heart. Hebron isn't a place. Hebron is an attitude of the heart. Somebody say amen. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 3. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. There was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And David did what? Grew stronger and stronger. And, and the house of Saul did what? Grew weaker and weaker. A long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. And Saul grew weaker and weaker. David grew stronger and stronger. Now there's a growing sense that David is God's appointed king. And there is a tension between Judah and the northern tribes. Remember, Judah is in the south. So there's a growing tension between, like a civil war, a growing tension between the Judah and, and the northern tribes. Now in verse 6, pop over with me to verse 6, it tells us that there is a civil war between the house of Saul north and the house of David in the south. Note, Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. Abner was Saul's commander-in-chief. Write it down. Abner was Saul's commander-in-chief, and he was like David's Joab. Abner was a pragmatic politician. 
He was a pragmatic politician and very, very shrewd. And Abner's basic philosophy was always join the winning team. That was his basic philosophy. So when Abner realized that the throne of Ishbosheth had no future, he decided to switch teams so he could guarantee his own security. So in verse 7, Saul had a concubine, and her name was Rizpah. She was the daughter of Ayah. Ishbosheth said to Abner, why do you sleep with my father's concubine? Now listen, we're not told whether that's true or not. But if it is true, then this would be a serious offense and serious business. Because listen, in that culture, uh, a harem was like the king's bride and belonged to the king. And if the king died, then that harem was, was never to be touched again by anyone ever. So if Abner slept with Rizba, we have a problem because it's sending a threatening message to Saul's dynasty. Rizba means hot cold. Hot cold. So I don't know what that means. I guess she was really hot or really not. I don't know. So it's a serious offense to touch a king's harem, and that's why verse 8, Abner is so mad that Ishbosheth would accuse him of that. And verse 8, Abner said, what do you think I am, a dog's head? A dog's head, listen, is not used anywhere else in the Bible, and it is not used anywhere else in ancient literature. And so I tell you that to tell you this. I really don't know what that was intended uh, to say. I, I really don't. Nobody knows. But many scholars believe that it was kind of like in that day, a colloquialism. You know what a colloquialism is? A colloquialism. Like, I'm from Philly. And in Philly, we say John. John. Like, John. Like, like this is a John. 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 J-A-W-N. John. A John is a noun. Okay? So we'll say, uh, uh, man, what's up with that John? Like you playing a phone or a device or something like that. So it was a colloquialism. And so many people believe that, that this, what am I, a dog's head? Was like a colloquialism. So Abner in verse 8 says, Bo. You treat me like a dog. I fought for you. I have protected you and I stood with you. I was on your side. I was standing up for the house of Saul and against David. And I stood against anybody that comes against Saul. And now you're coming against me about some woman. I'm on your side. Well, look at verse 9 and 10. May God do so to Abner and more also if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him. Interesting statement. Verse 10, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel from Dan to Beersheba. Abner says, Ishbosheth, I'm switching sides. I'm switching camps. Write it in your margins. I'm going over and help David fulfill what the Lord promised him. Now, don't you find that interesting that Abner would say that? And Abner is not a theologian. Abner's not a Bible scholar. Abner's not an eschatological uh, expert. Eschata what? Eschatological end times. Eschatology. 
end times expert. He's not a theologian. He's not a pastor. He's not a Bible teacher. But yet he knows the prophetic promise that David will be the king over Israel. Amazing. He knows that. Everybody knows that. Abner, listen, is doing the right thing, switching sides for the wrong reasons. Instead of joining David because he's offended, he he should have joined David because he knew that David was God's chosen king. But don't you find it interesting that Abner knew that the kingdom was to be given to David? Don't you find that interesting? Look at verse 12. You're looking at verse 12. Then Abner sent messengers on behalf to David saying, whose is the land? Saying also, Make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all of Israel to you, Abner says. And David said, good, I will make a covenant with you, but one thing I require you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Michael, hmm. Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, give me my wife Michael whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines anybody remember that uh, okay and Ishmael just sent and he took her from her husband from Patiel or Paltiel the son of Laish and then her husband went along with her to Bahuram weeping behind her so Abner said to him Go and return, and he returned. Now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying, In time past, you were seeking for a king to be over you. Now then do it. Underline that. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and from the hand of all of the, all the their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. Then, then Abner also went to speak in the hearing of David in Hebron. All that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. And so Abner and how many men? Twenty went with him. Came to David at Hebron. And David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with them. And then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my Lord, the king, that they may make a covenant with you and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. And so David sent Abner away and he went in peace. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Abner offered David help to bring Israel under his rule. Now, let me under to bring Israel under David's rule. Now, let me say this. This is a really nice thing for Abner to do. Although... God doesn't need Abner's help. Somebody say, amen. God doesn't need his help. This is a nice thing. Don't get me wrong, but God doesn't need his help. God is going to give the kingdom to David regardless whether Abner helps him or not. But okay, fine. Look at verse 13. David sends messengers to Abner and says, yeah, I'll accept your offer under one condition. I need you to bring Michael. Now you remember David's first wife. Huh? that Saul took and gave to Paltiel, Michael is Ishbosheth's sister. Now you remember, again, Michael, 1 Samuel chapter 18, if you're taking notes, write it in, the, in your Bibles, in the margin, 1 Samuel 18 tells us Michael loved David. Saul said, great. It's 1 Samuel 18, reading your own time. Saul said, great. I'll give her to David to be a snare to David. 
And we talked about that, didn't we? What kind of father says, I will give my daughter to a man to make his life miserable? Nice dad. And what kind of woman was she that her father knows, I don't like David, so I'm going to give her to him and his life will be miserable? Yes. Who does that? I mean, what in the world? What kind of, what is, what's going on with her character, right? So you got to understand that David now has every right to ask for Michael. You got you, you, you're probably wondering, why is he asking for Michael? Why? Why out of the blue Michael? Well, he has every reason to ask for Michael because in ancient culture, listen to this, if you fled your country or you were, un, you were a traitor and you left your wife, and she was uncared for, ancient culture said another man could take your wife. And if you came back, she didn't have to go back with you. But if a man was captured during war and taken as a POW against his will, if the woman married another, if the man came back, she had to go back to him. So it isn't unusual that David would say, look, Saul, you took my wife at the lowest point of my life. Now I want her back. Also, David is making a very, very smart move here because by claiming the daughter of Saul, he is also claiming the entire kingdom. Also, it's just good diplomacy to have a queen next to you. It's good diplomacy for a senior pastor to have a Miss Elvira next to him. Amen. It is for any pastor. You know, people have asked me, well, can a person be a senior pastor and not have a wife? And the answer to that is yes. Yes. Who are we? Who are you to tell God who he's going to call and how he's going to call them and, 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 and what's he going to do with them? And not only that, but there is no prohibition in Scripture that a man cannot pastor a church and not have a wife. We know that Timothy was, oh, put it this way, we believe that Timothy was not married and he pastored a church. Um, Paul, we believe, history tells us, all indicators indicate that he, now granted, he wasn't a pastor, but he kind of apostle pastored many, many churches. Um, he well, had to probably have a wife at some point because he was a member of the Sanhedrin and a requirement of a member of the Sanhedrin is you have had to have a wife. You had to have a wife. So what, why don't we have any mention of Paul's wife in scripture? I don't know. Uh, maybe she died. Maybe she left him after he became a Christian. Remember Acts chapter nine? Maybe she left him. Maybe she thought, you know, I can't get with it because Christianity wasn't a cool thing back then. Christianity was considered a cult. So maybe she left him. We don't know. But it is good. To, I think it is better to have a wife. I really do, especially when it comes to when it's time for uh, there's, you know, you guys know we as staff pastors and myself, we don't have counseling. I don't counsel a woman by myself. 
ever. I mean, you know what? I can't tell you ever because I actually have. But even in then, one, I'm real nervous, too. I got, like, every door and window open. I'm telling my, I'm telling my, my secretary, listen out for me. Uh, keep your ear. I have the meeting right next to her office. I, I get weird about it. But more often than that, I'd say 99% of the time, if you as a female want to have a meeting with Pastor Rodney, then you are asking for a meeting with Pastor Rodney and Miss Elvira. Because that's just safe. That's just wisdom. Thank you, five people, for agreeing with that. Amen. That's just safe. That's just good wisdom. That's good diplomacy. David is showing good diplomacy to have a queen next to him. Just like it's good, again, for a senior pastor to have a wife. It was a public announcement that Abner had broken from the house of Saul and now allied with David. So this is a really smart move. Plus, he's probably, honestly... Really? He probably still loved her. Because remember, she was taken from him. Now, look at verse 15 and 16. Ishbosheth sent and took Michael from her husband, Paltiel, to bring her to David. Are y'all getting a scene here? I don't know if you are. Are you getting a scene? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.